my sister said this thing that stuck with me that she's like, I can pick my boobs up like by the skin. And I was like, what does that even mean or feel like? And now girl, I feel like I can do it a little bit. Like I got the skin, I can lift it. So what if my partner did this in the bedroom? Would that be great? Or or a turn off? That's so interesting. I don't have like the biggest boobs, but they do kind of, they, they don't defy gravity. <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, I wonder how I would feel if, you know, I did have someone kind of like emphasize the fact that they don't defy gravity. They were like doing this with them, right? <laughs> they start juggling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, start like, tossing them around. I, I would just start laughing. I'd be like, this is, <laughs> I, I don't know if I could be like, ooh, sexy. <laughs> or a relief. Yeah. You know, I actually think it would make me take it less seriously, which would be good. We could be onto something here or giving the worst advice, <laughs> the worst advice ever, ever given to the ever. sex and space. Lovers and friends. What's going on, lovers and friends? Welcome to the podcast called The Same Damn Thing I Just Said. My name is Shan Boudram. I am your host and a sex and relationship expert who's been working in this space for over 15 years. I say that a lot, but I'm saying it today especially because I've probably spent that amount of time debating this very topic we're going to discuss on this episode. And that is what role do your read our insecurities play in a good sexual experience? Furthermore, should our insecurities even play a role if we are aspiring to have great sex? And I have flip-flopped on this. And today, if you ask me, I would say they play a significant role. Yesterday, if you asked me, I would say you should downplay the role as much as possible. And if you asked me 10 years ago, I would say none at all. And here is why. So when I first entered into this space, the movement was let's get some movement for women. The orgasm gap was three to one. It has been cut in half since that time. I think kudos to the work that all of us have done in educating the world and what works for us and in advocating for our own pleasure. So at the time I was constantly telling people here's where the clitoris is, which at the time that was a thing y'all like people didn't know how to locate it when it's like, it's really just right here. And people didn't understand about erogenous zones and they didn't understand that there wasn't much of a correlation between mainstream porn and what actually worked for women sexually. So I spent the bulk of my time telling people like, here's how women get pleasure. Can we please try and do more of that? And in addition to educating others on how to please women, I was trying to create opportunities for women to be in a headspace to receive that pleasure themselves. And so I was focused a lot on positive sexual thinking. And that's actually stemmed from an article that I read in Cosmo, because again, y'all, it's 2005. Where else am I going to read an article on sex? And in this article, they interviewed a bunch of people, I think majority men, about some of the things, the mistakes that women make in the bedroom. And they're referring to it as, what are the biggest turnoffs that women do during sex? And you would think naturally that at the top of the turnoffs would be something to do with hygiene, something to do with performance, something to do with knowledge about their partner's body. No, 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 no. The number one turnoff by a landslide 
was women who self-deprecated, uh, who put themselves down before the sexual act or during. And the people surveyed were basically saying, look, I'm so excited to be having sex with this woman, with this other person, and I am thrilled to be there. And then I feel like now we're in a therapy session because they come in leading with their insecurities and apologizing for themselves. And you know what I'm talking about. It's when you're like, hey, just so you know, we can have sex, but I haven't shaved, so just like manage expectations. Or, oh, I don't know if we should have sex because I haven't showered in the past five minutes, so I don't know if my body is clean enough for the act. Or, oh, I feel kind of bloated, or I just ate a big meal, blah, 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 blah. And so these people in the survey were essentially saying, like, we don't want to hear that because we just want to feel good with you because we feel great about you. And we're excited to have sex with you. And I promise you, whatever flaw that you think is going to color this experience is actually invisible to me. And I was using that as a way to empower women to stop apologizing for themselves and their body during sex and to just feel good enough for once, you know, somewhere in life, enter into a space and don't feel like your flaw, whatever perceived flaw that you focus on is the elephant in the room because there is no elephant. There is only the sex kitten and that's your ass. So that's kind of a positive thinking mentality, right? Like let it go, just go in there. Don't mention your insecurities. Don't bring them up because nobody else cares about them but you. So stop caring altogether. As obviously I've gotten more into this space and more mature and acquired more insecurities of my own. And of course the work I've done in learning psychology, I realize that positive thinking mentality is one, actually not all that simple and two, definitely not all that effective. In order to create a real effective change, you have to change so much more than your mind. It's not a matter of, for example, I can't just say, you know, I want to be great at golf. Okay, I'm just going to think I'm great at golf. There's a bunch of skills and steps in between that goal and my current standing. And the same thing comes with our insecurities. If something is really bothering us about our bodies, feeling better about that thing is not a matter of just telling yourself, don't think about it anymore. So what tends to happen, I think, when we try to tell ourselves, you know, don't think about that insecurity is one, we think about it more. And two, even if we don't say it, it gets communicated in other ways. So more or less, that's a discussion that you are about to listen to. Jesse Page, our starring guest, does a beautiful job of being generous with her own struggles having to do with body image issues and eating disorders and how insecurities play a role, a unique role in LGBTQ plus relationships. And if you don't know, Jesse Page is a YouTube personality, actress, author, and entrepreneur. Through her comedic and relatable content, she has built an audience of over two million followers. She uses her platform to crush stereotypes and raise awareness about mental health, eating disorders, LGBTQ plus issues. Her debut book is called, Hey, It's Okay to Be You, which I think is perfectly fitting for the discussion that we are about to have. But first, I wanna tell you about our first of three sponsors for this episode, and that comes from OneSkin, a revolutionary skincare brand that packs a punch and delivers on its promise. So OneSkin was founded by a team of four incredible female PhD level longevity scientists with over 15 years, there's a number again, of experience studying the biology of aging. After testing thousands of peptides, they discovered the incredible OS1 
peptides. So then these four Shiro's created their flagship product, OS One Face, which is clinically proven to reduce fine lines, improve firmness, and improve your overall tone by targeting the main cause of aging, which is the buildup of old cells. One Skin is for everyone that wants to prevent or reverse the signs of aging with a groundbreaking approach. One Skin addresses skin health at the molecular level, targeting the root cause of aging so skin behaves, feels, and appears younger. And if you like what you're hearing, it's time to experience a new skin health routine at a discounted rate. Go to oneskin.co, use the promo code LOVERS at checkout for 15% off. Again, if you want 15% off at OneSkin, go to oneskin.co and use the promo code LOVERS. Lovers and friends, we have one body, one skin, and only we can choose to bring out the best in ourselves. So choose to age healthy with one skin. Jesse, <laughs> tell me your story of how you got online. Wait, are we filming? Yeah. Ooh. Um, I started doing DIY and makeup videos because I thought that was the thing that girls had to do online because it was the era of that type of video. And I feel like like the guys were comedians, the girls were like lifestyle, morning routine, super saturated. And um, I definitely switched over. I was like, no, nah, this is not for me. Yeah, I switched over and I just started talking more and more about my life. And now were I you out when you came out online? I when you were glam with Jesse. Yeah, no, I like I hit a million subscribers and I still wasn't out. Like a lot of people think I've always been talking about being LGBT, but I I think I just got a very, my audience was very LGBTQ plus without me even trying. I, I guess I had the essence. I've been told. <laughs> I like, I saw a TikTok the other day and someone was like my eight year old self when my favorite quotations closeted YouTuber uh, comes out. And then the cap, the caption was like, Jesse Page, I'm looking at you. And I was like, was it that obvious? <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> yeah. But I guess I just a mass that LGBT, LGBT audience is kind of interesting though, because I feel like a lot of LGBTQ plus kids also find each other before coming out. Like my two childhood best friends are also queer. So, well, before you came out, how long did you know? I actually, I feel like a lot of people say, oh, I always knew I was queer, but I thought I was asexual for a really long time. I, for a lot of people that have specifically had anorexia, not everyone, because like everyone's situation is different. A lot of people have their whole reproductive system shut down because your body's like, well, if you had a baby, you probably wouldn't survive. And also it's trying to save energy. So I just like experienced nothing for years, <laughs> like nothing, had no period for like four years, just didn't feel anything. I actually like started my sexual journey in life after I recovered like I it's crazy I like never even used a vibrator like I I don't even think I could have gone intimate with someone during that time I think it would have not been good I think my body was so delicate at that time and, and in my head even like I was so worried about everything and conscious of it all the time that I I can't imagine like being romantic or intimate with someone during that during that time. That's why I'm curious about the before thing because people I've spoken to in a couple books I've read about people who went through anorexia, it was usually because they wanted attention. And so I can think of one oh. example where the person was like, I couldn't be the prettiest. I wasn't going to have the longest hair. I wasn't going to have the biggest yeah. butt. So I was. I wanted to be the skinniest. Yeah. I wanted that to be the thing that made me stand out and more attractive to people. I do feel like I did 
have a little bit of that. I had like this weird internalized, like I'm really tall and I always felt really big and like I was taking up too much space and I was like, okay, this is a way to make myself smaller, you know? Um, yeah, it was, it definitely, it was a, a little tendon to my desirability. I feel like when I first started recovering, I had a ton of acne. I'd gain weight and I wasn't used to it. And like when you first gain weight, I mean, you can gain weight anywhere and it's still valid and beautiful, but I wasn't like at first you gain only all of it to your face and your like stomach area and that's it. So like, because it's, it's like a body is, it's like your body's way of like protecting you. And I just like, wasn't used to the way I looked at all. So I remember like the first time I was intimate with someone after recovering, like really recovering, I, I don't know. It was, it, I was so self-conscious. I was, I like almost felt like I had to like thank this person for doing this, which is so sad. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I just felt. Thank them for. For even like, like taking me, like witnessing the way I looked. Like, like I thought I looked so terrible and it was really, at the time I was like, even, this is really bad, but I feel like even if I wasn't in the mood for sex, I felt like I owed it because like this would be the only time I would get it because I looked so I, I was like, why would someone want to look at me like this? You know, like I was so used to my body looking one way and I didn't register that I looked great the other way too. You know, I actually did. I had an ex and like after she kind of like saw me the first time she said, I remember she turned to me and she was like, I know you struggle with your body. I just wanted to say you're absolutely beautiful or something. It was something like that. And I remember um, it like, it changed my life, honestly. Like the things you say to someone when they're, I mean, being naked's not an easy thing, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like it's, I, yeah, that, that changed my life for sure. I feel like now I actually make an effort to say things like that when I have sex with people. Cause I'm like, I don't know what they're going through, but that, that one comment could change the trajectory of someone's intimate life. I had an ex tell me once that he's like, your vagina, which it's a vulva, bitch. That's why we're exes, I'm playing. He was like, your vagina looks like it was drawn. It's oh absolutely perfect. And at the time, it, that's a vulnerable thing too, because yeah. he was down there and then he was looking and he was tracing it with his fingers and he said wow. that, and that will stay with me for the rest of my life. No one's ever not gonna like, unless it's a creepy comment. <laughs> Unless you say something weird or like you high five someone after sex or something, then maybe it's a little weird. <laughs> right. Which I wouldn't mind that either, actually. Actually, yeah. That if might somebody be fun. was like, you fucking rock that shit. <laughs> I'd be like, I would remember that forever. Yeah. A little high five. There's actually no handshake. limit to how much positive affirmation I will like. Yeah. I am I a bottomless that. pit. <laughs> Give it all to me. Yeah. It's interesting because I would assume that... Women who have sex with women, this is what would be the norm. Because yeah. we know we like this and we grow up honing this skill. So yeah. I would think that would translate to sexually nonstop. Like, you're so gorgeous. You're perfect. I love your eyes. The shape yeah. of your jaw is, is gorgeous. I love your breasts. I love this. And it's it's not that? No, I, I think it is. It can be. It can either be the most beautiful, wonderful, magical thing. 
or sometimes, and this, this might just be my experience, but I feel like I've had experiences where I don't want to say competitive with each other, but very sometimes like, I don't know, we, we would compare our bodies a lot. I think it's a lot easier sometimes to compare yourself to another woman's body because you know, I mean, well, we also grew up kind of learning to do that. Like we, we've had these magazines with these playboy women with huge boobs and like waists that are this big, you know, I, it can translate over to queer relationships for sure. I'm, I bet even with two femme women, it's, it can be even, even more intense. I feel like I've, I've had that too. I've, I've had like really great experiences, but I've also sometimes felt the most triggered with women, I think, for sure. What happens when you feel competitive with each other? I feel like it just manifests in different ways. Like I was in a long distance relationship and that was like, it just made my eating disorder worse. I actually relapsed. Like I had fully come out about my eating. This was for years ago so this was a while ago but um yeah I got back in my like I would do things to prepare for when she would fly in and I found out she would also do those things and feel that pressure and it was it was not a good mix at all yeah um thankfully I feel like was it about trying to look better than the other person or was it fear that they were looking at you like well you're not as hot as me I think it was like, yeah, I, 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 ooh, that's a good question. I don't, I'm like, let me psychoanalyze this. Hmm. I, I had this rule where I, um, I felt like I had to be the skinnier one. I felt like that was my role, you know, like I also felt like if there was someone that was thinner than me, I would be like, I, I think I would have been super triggered <laughs> for sure. Um, Cause it could be a rule that's not about, I need to be the skinny one, which that might be part yeah. of it, but more so just if you are, I know that that's going to put me in a sensitive space. Yeah. I think a lot of my, like a lot of, this is really weird, but a lot of my eating disorder like a lot of my thoughts, my disordered thoughts actually started from my first ex-boyfriend <laughs> because he was like an inch shorter than me. And I felt like felt like I almost owed it to people to to take up less space next to them, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was this video of this man and well, actually I want to show it to you. <laughs> Popping in because you guys really have to see that video to understand why it had the comment section in a tizzy. I've never seen such a divided comment section. If you are listening to the podcast, I will describe the video. But first, I want to tell you about our second of three sponsors in this episode, Ritual. And Ritual is here to help you to celebrate your insides. There's no more shame in your gut game. Now, as all of you know, I'm here in Toronto. But what you might not have known is I'm about to play Mass next week. And I have been playing Mass, which is Mass 
masquerading. It's when you play in the parade for a carnival. And I've been doing this for 10 years. And something that I've learned through my various times of dressing up is you need to have a solution for bloating because you want to look great in your costume and you never know what your body has in store for you. And that is why I pack a punch and I pack my ritual. So if you're not familiar, Ritual Symbiotic Plus is a supplement that contains clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. It's a daily three-in-one prebiotic, probiotic, and postbiotic that supports relief from mild and occasional bloating, gas, and diarrhea. What sets Symbiotic Plus apart is its postbiotic. It provides fuel to the cells of the gut lining and helps to promote a healthy gut barrier. Don't worry about having three separate pills. It's an all-in-one capsule, and you do not have to keep it in the fridge, which makes it perfect for traveling. Ritual is offering listeners of Lovers and Friends 20% off of their first month. So go to ritual.com slash lovers to get in on that offer. And if you already have a Ritual subscription because they are incredible and do so many amazing things, simply add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription. A man and a woman are in public and someone is filming them from behind and he has his arm wrapped around the woman's waist and he is holding on to her love handles and playing with them, massaging them, pressing into them. See, like, that's cute. Yeah, it's a little pouch. You keep your hand there. <laughs> it's a love handle. Were people mad? A lot of people were mad. They were like, this is abusive. This is this a is way abusive. that he's controlling her. She's clearly fine with it. I love that so much. I gotta do that. <laughs> That's like probably such a great way to like retrain your mind to love these parts of yourself. I don't know. That's that's cute. <laughs> I think it is too, but it, there is a that fine line though because when people bring your faults to reality and like grab it or touch it or point it out. Something about that can feel very betraying too. Especially after having babies, things like have changed. My sister said this thing that stuck with me that she's like, I can pick my boobs up like by the skin. And I was like, what does that even mean or feel like? And now girl, I feel like I can do it a little bit. Like I got the skin, I can lift it. So what if my partner did this in the bedroom? Would that be great? Or, or a turn off? That's so interesting. That actually is an insecurity of mine where like I don't have like the biggest boobs, but they do kind of they they don't defy gravity. <laughs> and sometimes I'm I don't know when I take my bra. We, we were talking about having sex with no bra. I actually was thinking about him like that. Actually, I don't even notice it, but that is an insecurity of mine. Like I do. Yeah, I I I wonder if I should like I wonder how I would feel if. You know, I did have someone kind of like emphasize the fact that they don't defy gravity. But they were like doing this with them, right? <laughs> they start juggling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, start like, tossing them around. I, I would just start laughing. I'd be like, this is, <laughs> I, I don't know if I could be like, ooh, sexy. <laughs> or a relief. Yeah. You know, I actually think it would make me take it less seriously, which would be good. My labia majora, the bigger lips, I think that they're not as supple I guess I think that the skin is just more worn mm -hmm. and so I'm like what if somebody went down on me it was like yeah <laughs> start airing them yeah, out that might make you one that probably would feel really nice actually yeah that little gust of air and then two would I feel like that person is loving me and finding yeah. me attractive and playing with me yeah despite not it's almost like using this thing that you think 
is like a like a downfall for you. It's like it's like using it as your um, like an advantage. Like this is something I have and it allows me to be able to do this during sex versus like other people might not be able to do it. Like, okay, like my boobs don't defy gravity, but like you wouldn't be able to do the juggling thing, for example, if with somebody I didn't who have had that. these high ass high, tight tits. High tight tits, exactly. Right. So like you can think of it as like a, oh, I just I it's another I I give I provide an, a new option, like a, a I new always way say to that when sex. it comes to dicks, that when you got a small dick, you're like, Great, let's do anal. So That's smart, yeah. Right. Rather than like, oh Yeah, like, oh, that's a I always Yeah, I I bet that honestly ties in a lot to what we're saying, you know, like I, I, um, we could be onto something here or giving the worst advice, <laughs> worst advice ever, ever given to the ever. sex ed space. What if my partner played with the thing that made me feel like I might not even want to have sex today? Cause we wow. always have those like, yeah, if I haven't shaved. So that's a big thing for me. So oftentimes I'm prickly and when he's touching my legs, we have to pretend it's not there. Mm. And I always think about this poster where it said, disabled does not mean invisible. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about the overcorrection that happened where people used to stare at people in wheelchairs or they used to maybe make comments or it would be an emphasis. Mm-hmm. And then then we were taught that's rude. And then it was like, don't even look at them. Don't yeah. acknowledge it, don't ask. And instead it might be nice to walk up to them and say like, I like your chair. Yeah. What is Absolutely. that like? What yeah. is this? And and so rather than making it like, I'm going to treat you as if this is not here, yeah. bringing it into the environment and embracing it in a moment of comfort. I love that. So if my partner noticed that I had hairy legs and then instead like itched their face with it. Yeah. You like used it to their yeah. advantage somehow. Yeah. Like great. No, that makes sense. Would that make me cringe or would that allow me to be more free more fluid more freaky yeah and expand my pleasure potential in that moment i love that i and do i do that do i do that with my partner do i take things about them and i do i think if my partner is like um self-conscious about not showering and they're like i'm not worthy of sex i'm not worthy of being touched yeah i mean <laughs> all up in there you know i'm embracing it i'm yeah. I'm like purposefully going to sniff because i wanted like i like your smell you want them to feel safe yeah. i want you to feel safe yeah i love that yeah that's so interesting i like i'm even thinking on like the body image topic i feel like even though i'm in a good place like if i were like bloated one day i would not want to have sex probably because i you know i just i feel insecure about it but maybe it's not even a big deal you know, but also at the same time with the idea of like, you know, I'm like, I don't know if bringing like bringing attention to it would make me feel better or not. Like that's hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I think like with time it would, you know, with the right person, I think I'd be like, yeah, whatever. So I'm bloated today. OK, <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, I, I think if it was someone new or something, it would take it would take time to eventually bring these parts you know because it's like it's something you've been working through for years like right because i think the flip side of that is success might be if the person didn't even notice yeah if you feel like you were able to conceal and you were in positions where that was never highlighted but then it's on your mind the entire time to serve that mission of concealing that's so so true i think if the person just 
brought all of you in yeah right away then what's there left no, my thing is so my true. heels my heels are really really dry so sometimes when i'm getting oral sex and like i have my feet up i'm like oh you better i'm dodging that person's shoulders i'm like do not because if they feel that scratch yeah i don't know what's going to happen next but then it becomes a preoccupation of mine i also like do you ever like apologize like sometimes if i'm not like super well shaven i'll apologize like one time i did that and um this was also like i hooked up with a friend so i feel like that made it a little better but she was like are you kidding i don't care <laughs> and it kind of it i don't know it was kind of nice you know um it was like it was better than me being the whole time like me just having sex me having sex the whole time and like being in my head and being thinking She's definitely just thinking about how I'm not well shaven and I should have shaved before. And, you know, like it, it let me enjoy the experience after just hearing that, you know, I can so imagine that. Yeah. Because you're like, OK, well, I can stop trying to mentally yeah. do gymnastics to find ways that you don't figure this out. Yeah. I thought that women don't have to deal with that because I think there's a lot of things that we are told women are that we really know we're not. Yeah. We're not hairless. Yeah. We are not soft skin. We don't <laughs> smell yeah. great all the time. No. We're not always delicate not. and feminine. The sounds yeah. we make are not always sensual and pretty and feminine. Sometimes yeah. they're gruff. So there's so much in the bedroom in heterosexual sex where you have to live up to the standard that Almost is like based this on performance. a lot. Like every yeah. sound needs to sound yeah, perfectly feminine and you need to be very delicate and yeah i could see that but i would hope that when you're with, with a woman women, it's you different. can be like i'm hairy i smell i think so My, i fart yeah i feel like you can be a lot more like that um like for example like sometimes i like just like using a vibrator too and bringing that in but i feel like with straight sex sometimes they think it's a attack against them when honestly it's like no this is just something like I use alone and I want to like share it with you, you know? So it's, it's not, I don't know. You know, I do, I do feel like with women, you are a lot more open and like a little more like giggly. I actually didn't learn when I had sex with a woman first and I realized the first time I had sex with like a cis straight guy, I was like, oh, like it's not normal sometimes for women to communicate during sex because when I had sex with a woman for the first time like I was taught like she was like literally tell me go faster go slower like tell me exactly what to do and I didn't realize that sometimes men take it personally and also I mean I'm sure this can happen with women too it can happen with anyone but I didn't realize that is something that that isn't always normalized I I thought communication was it's like how how is anyone gonna know what you want I don't know it's it's never an attack I don't think. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I also love what you were saying, too, that keeping that fantasy that when you're with a woman, all of a sudden, all of the side effects of patriarchy and misogyny just melt away. Because even if there is more acceptance, there is still those yeah. tropes that you have to live up to. Absolutely. Like, um, I've dated, like, I've hooked up with, like, femme girls. I've also hooked up with, like, more mask women. And um, sometimes... I actually, I had like um, a girl I dated that was mask and she was shorter than me. And she was, I talked about this another time, but she was, 
she was very insecure about it. And I was like, we're literally queer. Like nothing we're doing is matching any type of like expectation for what a relationship should be. Like we're two women dating. Why does it matter if, cause you're the masculine one that I'm taller, you know, I thought it was cute. So yeah, I, I, you know, I've also had abusive relationships with women. Like it's not, it's, it, they're completely like, like they're people. I feel like a lot of people say this. They're always like, Oh, I wish I was just a lesbian. And it's, Almost, in, it's insensitive one because being a part of the LGBTQ plus community is like a community with the history of oppression, you know, like they're literally an oppressed community and mar a marginalized group. And um, two, you're also just assuming that like relationship issues and insecurity and all these things you can deal with don't happen in queer relationships just because there's two women and that's definitely not true <laughs> um yeah I've feel like I've had just as many issues with women as I've I haven't dated men in a long time <laughs> but when I dated men um I feel like I had just as many issues maybe like the only difference I saw at least and this is just my maybe it was just the men I it was just the guy I was dating but I feel like there was there were just as many issues, but they were less communicated. So like my first ex-boyfriend cheated on me. Um, and it was because I hadn't had sex yet. And he was so terrified to have sex with me. And like, he could have just said that, <laughs> you know, but he like always would just bring it up and get really scared and anxious about it. And he ended up cheating and not even telling me the truth. The girl called me that he cheated on me with a year after we broke up. And I was like, I was, I don't know. Yeah, it could have all been communicated, but yeah, I feel like there, there's, there's, there can be issues in both types of relationships. There's obviously some great things like the you hauling stereotype. Even if you don't move in with the person, it's definitely true that you, um, you, like, you just form this intense emotional bond immediately. Like, it does take longer to get closer to straight men. And even like, I don't, I don't have a lot of straight guy friends. So with exes, you know, I'm like, this is someone I could be best friends with. This is hard. This, like, I think that's sometimes why those relationships are harder or, or, or those breakups are harder. Um, like queer breakups because you, they almost feel like a best friend too, versus sometimes like the guys have dated i'm like we would not be friends if we weren't romantic <laughs> together <laughs> yeah so i feel like you're almost losing a best friend too it's, so there's there are differences for sure but there's definitely like there's 100 percent things that can go wrong and issues with misogyny and things like that for sure do you have an experience you can think of where it stands out as a body negative sex experience and one that stands out as a body positive sex experience. Ooh, body negative. Body. Um, I'm trying to think body negative versus, um, Hmm. I think I had a negative experience kind of recently and it, it wasn't super negative, but basically it was 
It was actually the same situation I was talking about before in the moment because this person started to get insecure and just kind of like I felt them like being really quiet and like getting just like it, it. I took that as they're not attracted to me anymore. They're like, I don't know, something about me is wrong. And it was them getting insecure about having sex for a reason that had nothing to do with me. But when someone just lets that insecurity, you know, like sometimes someone getting insecure while having sex with someone else like and, and drawing back and things like that the other person doesn't know what happened or what they're thinking so in my head I was like I don't look the way they thought I did or I did something wrong or um I don't know like I'm I'm not as good as this person's ex or something like you your your brain is just gonna go a thousand places like I feel like the second you or feeling something during sex, if you feel yourself drawing back, if you're getting in your head about something, you should just tell someone. That actually speaks to the fact that there's, I think, six identifiable areas of intelligence and like linguistics and like mathematics and problem solving and kinesthetic, but being able to recognize people's emotions is a separate set of intelligence. Popping in because I re-listened to the interview and I could have done a better job of really explaining the different types of intelligence and how emotional recognition plays into that. So I want to do it again for you clean and accurately. And I also want to tell you about our final sponsor of the episode, Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. So the other day, my niece got into the car and Ryu was sitting in the back eating a delicious meal. And my niece looks over suspiciously and was like, Iggy, who made that meal? And I said, Zara, you know for damn sure it wasn't me. And I don't mind being the queen of ready to eat cuisine because I simply can't afford to spend the time in the kitchen that it requires to make nutritious, delicious meals for my family. And I definitely can't afford to do takeout every single day of the week. And that is why Factor has been such a game changer. Let me tell you about it. With Factor, you get ready to eat meals straight to your door. No more extra trips to the grocery store. No more chopping, prepping, none of that. Just delicious meals ready in one to two minutes. Factor offers over 34 weekly restaurant quality options like bruschetta shrimp risotto, green goddess chicken, grilled steakhouse filet mignon. There's truly something for everyone. And if like me, you are choosing to watch your calories right now, they have their calorie smart plan where meals are under 550 calories. Also, if like me, you need extra protein right now because your girl's breastfeeding, go for their protein plus option. I could go on and on, but go to the website and check it out for yourself. Go to factormeals.com lovers50 because that's also how you'll get 50% off your first purchase. Again, that's factormeals.com lovers50 for half off. Now let's talk about intelligence. Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligence states that there's eight different ways in which people can be geniuses. And those eight ways are linguistic, logical, mathematical, spatial, bodily kinesthetic, musical, interpersonal, intrapersonal, and naturalist. I highly recommend that you read through the whole list and the definitions. It will give you a richer appreciation for the gifts of those around you as well, as it might highlight some of the gifts and some of the weaker areas that you have within yourself. And I want to talk about interpersonal genius because I think a lot of people take for granted how difficult it is to truly master the ability to understand the feelings, motivations, and actions of other people. And if I asked a room full of people, how many of us are good at reading others? Majority of us might raise our hand. And if I asked a room full of people, how many here are great at math? Maybe one or two would. And we have to think about that. Why do we give such reverence to mathematical skills and take for granted others when the truth is the same amount of time, research, care, and 
devotion has to take place in order for you to truly say like, I'm a genius in this area. And in order to be a genius at interpersonal relations, you have to have such a vast knowledge of culture, such a vast knowledge of human expression, and also the ability to get underneath the simple questions to find the hard truths. And I bring this up because when we don't have this mastery, which is fair, we don't even get this education in school literally at all. We do get some basic mathematics, we get some basic music. How many of us can say that we went to an educational system that provided tools to ensure that our interpersonal intelligence was up to par? So if we don't have that skill set, we can have a very difficult time reading people's emotions and feelings and seeing their larger motivations for doing things, understanding their intentions. At the very basic of it all, in order to read people's intentions and feelings, we have to acknowledge the six universal emotions. And those are happiness, sadness, anger, surprise, fear, and disgust. And so imagine if you don't have the training and don't understand the cultural nuances in the ways that these emotions present itself, how easily it could be to mistake sadness for disgust or anger for surprise. And when we think about those small misunderstandings and how they can take part in an intimate setting when our insecurities are already high and our sense of awareness of others is extremely high, how when we don't say it, but they're communicated through our bodies and the person misunderstands that, how that can play out. That's what I was trying to say to Jesse. Like, I thought it was something, I didn't know her mind was in the past. Like, I thought it was something in the present that was making her like that. And I was the only one there with her. So I'm like, this has to do with me. I'm doing something wrong. Um, so I feel like, yeah, that was, that was, kind, that was a bit of a negative experience. And then a positive experience. This is just kind of funny. I just thought of this recently. Um, me and this person like tried dating but we were just so similar that we ended up being friends but we did we had sex once and she's she just said something really funny because she had like she had really nice boobs and I I have like a nice butt so she was like if someone had my boobs and your butt they would be the perfect human I just thought that was funny <laughs> I was like that's that's funny you know I don't know teamwork collab and it didn't make you feel like you think your boobs are better than mine or, oh my gosh. I don't gosh. think so. No, I don't think so. Like, well, cause she had really big boobs. I actually, I, I do apologize a lot. I'm like realizing that this now I apologize a lot during sex, but I was like, I'm, I'm like, sorry, I don't have like as big of boobs, I guess. And she was like, no, are you kidding? Like, it was like that kind of, I don't know. I do. Maybe I'm like now realizing I should probably apologize a little less for things I can't control. But no, I don't think in my head I was like, um, oh, she's saying that her boob. I guess because she was saying something really nice about me, too. I was like, OK, <laughs> I think it's interesting. The apology, because I think when we were having this conversation, there's two ways to interpret the advice. It could be really good and fulfilling and amplifying and move you on a path to pleasure or it can be really negative. So for example, bringing in your insecurities in and making them a part of the experience yeah. rather than trying to conceal them during the experience. And then I think about, do you call out your insecurities in the beginning, right? Ooh, Just kind of the same yeah. way that maybe you'd amplify what you think is really hot about you. Do you call those things out and give that person an opportunity to acknowledge and embrace them and yeah. hopefully to validate them? Um, or does that actually fuck up the mood? Because now you're like, oh, no, it's a therapy session. Yeah. And I was just trying to celebrate what I like. 
And now I got to double back and make you feel good. Yeah. And it, it can take the step, the, the sexual energy out of the room. That's hard. That is hard. Huh? I, mm, that's hard. Can I, wait, can I talk about something like kind of really serious? Yes. Okay. Um, I like hooked up with someone that had a dick after I had had a recent like essay situation and I didn't tell what does that mean. So like sexual assault situation and I hadn't addressed it with the person because like this was someone I didn't really know super well. And um, I remember like I just started like freeze up and I felt so bad that I killed the mood. And I'm like, I, sh I should have just brought that up. Yeah. I think if it's going to be a major player in the sexual experience, it needs to be a part yeah. of the dialogue. I think I that's think so. the answer to that. Absolutely. I do feel like, though, it kind of does just take that one person to be like, no, actually, you look great. And then I never think about that thing again. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think about this now because I'm not drawing upon an example of when an insecurity has been brought up that it ruined things. Yeah. And I'm drawing upon many examples of when I didn't say anything. And it yeah. was weird. I actually have, I developed cysts in my face and I always have since for a long time. So every 10 years I have to go and get them removed. So I recently had a major mouth surgery mm -hmm. and I was healing from it. And then I went out to dinner with friends and an old flame came. We never really hooked up before, but we had a really great vibe. And then afterwards we went back to his place and then I'm like, still have my stitches in. Yeah. And but it was going somewhere and I was also on my period. So I was like, I haven't had sex with him before and I don't really want this to be our first time, but things are getting hot and heavy, but I have stitches. I can't remember if I gave him head because if I did, <laughs> it didn't finish, but I don't, I didn't say anything. Yeah. And it was a really weird experience. Yeah. It's not as good when you're in your head the whole time. Because they have no be idea why it got weird. Yeah. And then maybe I did give him head and it was weird head that was so unmemorable that I forgot <laughs> that I even did it. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not drawing upon an example of a time where I've even just said, hey, I'm Harry, or I didn't shower today, yeah. or I might still be on my period where that was just like, oh, yeah. now it's weird. <laughs> it's usually like, I don't care. Yeah. That's okay. Let's get a black towel well, do you want to jump in the shower really quick? It actually usually lends itself to a better sexual experience. Oh. So maybe you do. I I think so. Also, I feel like I used to be, I think it, it is really fun to like hook up with someone new for the first time or like I've hooked up with friends. Like that's fun, but it's not the same for me now. I've really noticed as like, growing that relationship with a partner um like my sex I've had with people I was in a relationship with versus um my hookups for me at least they just don't feel the same and it's I think what's great about working you know like <laughs> having having being intimate with a partner is that you know you can work on these things and work together and you don't kind of your partner will learn this insecurity and then like they'll know it. And every other time you have sex, like they, they know this insecurity and you know that they don't care versus having sex with someone new. It's, it's like you have, I don't know, like you're showing, you're showing all these parts of yourself to someone completely new and you're like, okay, there's this, there's this like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then you have to preserve the, 
I think there's more of a script with casual sex. Yeah. Of who we have to show up as and yeah. what the experience has to feel like. It has to feel fun. It has to yeah. feel very passionate. Yes. Um, it has to feel intense. Whereas when you're with somebody long term, there's just more wiggle room for sex to be so many different things. Yeah. It can be really, really sweet. It can be vulnerable. Yeah. It can be insecure. No it makeup can be on playful. middle of the day. Yeah. <laughs> But that isn't to say you can't bring that energy into casual sex, too. We yeah. just have to get rid of the idea that it has to be a certain way in order for it to be yeah. valid or valuable. I do have such a fragile... I, I have, like, a long history with the way I've treated myself. So, you know, before I, like, give that to someone, I want to know the person. Yeah. Because it, it does... While it... Like, there's one great comment you'll remember forever. It also takes one really bad comment to think about that the rest of your life and be like, that part of me is wrong. Like, it, like sometimes it does take even one comment from a friend about the way you look or the way you, this thing or, you know, like, especially like from a good friend, it, it hurts. Yeah. Mm. So I've had that from, weirdly enough, from my friends. But thank God I've never had that with someone I've had sex with yeah yeah have you no i can't think of one either i think there's a lot of negative things i've said about myself and to myself yeah mm. absolutely well in the spirit of this let's end <laughs> this conversation off with compliment tennis but oh, for ourselves because i don't know your body that well and you don't know <laughs> my body that well um so i'll say something that i like about myself and then you something like about yourself i love the shape and circumference of my breasts. You know what we were talking about before? I do love my ass. I'm a little obsessed with it. And that's fine. It's great. <laughs> I love my legs. I can sometimes focus on the fact that they're hairy and very rarely smooth. But aesthetically, I love the look of them. I love the length of them. I love when they're out. Ooh, something I like about myself. Let's see. I like my thighs. I think they're good thighs. I actually used to hate my thighs but now i really like them i don't have a butt that i dislike i don't have a butt that i definitely love or highlight but i do have back dimples which i think are really cute i have been told that once that i had soft skin and now i for the rest of my life i'm gonna be like yeah i have soft skin <laughs> i do like my stomach mm, i think i think i do i do really like my height um yes i don't know i just think it's it's fun, especially the gay community. They love it, you know? Like, they're not intimidated by a 5'10 girl. <laughs> it's interesting in having this exercise right now how hard it is for me to find something to love that I don't have a caveat for. Because mm, I'm like, same. I want to say I'm height, doing that right now. But then I'm like, ah, oh, but I do wish I was a little bit taller. And then I want to be like, oh, I love my hands. Oh, but my nails are really never done. So, like, makes me feel shameful. And I actually really Oh, hands is a good one. Fix that. That's a thing that I've actually been really conscious of trying to fix. But now look at me, a little monkey paws. Look what we're doing. <laughs> I know yeah, it nails. is definitely a thing, you know, yeah. and I, I think I will end it with that because I do know it's difficult to give yourself that complete 100 yeah. percent love. And we're all just looking for that. So, yeah, it's a good exercise for me. To I love that. Oh, my God. Do you do this every episode? No, girl. Oh, my God. Not. So cool for me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Jesse. Thank where, you. where can people find you? Um, at Jesse Page, J E S S I E P A E G E. <laughs> Shout out to Jesse. Like she said, spell it with an E, baby. Um, and also please go and support their books. Before we close out the episode, I wanted to get an alternate perspective on this from a different field altogether, taking this out of the sex realm, 
Do insecurities belong in other important parts of our lives? So I asked my sister, who is an executive coach, who deals with intimate relationships, but usually within a work setting. I wanted to hear her take. Does and do insecurities play a role in healthy partnered interactions? So interpersonal intelligence is one of five composites that make up overall emotional intelligence, along with self-perception, self-expression, decision-making, and stress management. Now, a lot of people think that emotional intelligence is only about empathy, but it is way more more than that. Overall, it's your ability to identify, understand, and manage emotions within yourself and others in order to meet specific goals or desired outcomes. So we often overlook developing our emotional intelligence because they're considered softer skills and they get deprioritized over technical skills, which are how good we are performing a skill or traditional intelligence, which is what we know about a subject matter. However, emotional skills are extremely crucial when it comes to enhancing anything in our lives, whether that be our careers, our businesses, and especially in our intimate relationships. Whether we want to acknowledge it or not, our emotions guide approximately 85% of our decisions. In other words, the reason why we do something or hold back from doing something is a result of an emotion that we feel first. So in this instance, the result of not voicing what we are insecure about is based on an emotion of fear. We fear the narrative of what our partner will think of us or how they will respond if they know how we're really feeling. I actually heard a quote once, maybe it was from Jay Shetty, that said, I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am. I am who you think I am who I think you think I am. And what that means is that our identity is so largely shaped by our perceptions of how others view us. So we often adjust our behaviors and attitudes based on how we think others perceive us. Therefore, constructing our identity around those perceived notions. So if I think that you're going to reject me, I'll behave in a way that protects me from that perceived rejection. In this case, doing your best to hide feelings of insecurity or inferiority when it comes to having sexual relationships. But I think what we're hearing in Jesse's story is that this intention to protect ourselves, this instinct to protect ourselves, may actually be harmful to the other person. In other words, our intention becomes a mismatch with the impact that we're having. Our brain's desire to make sense of things um, causes us to fill in the blanks and jump to conclusions and makes us all really incredible storytellers. When we pull back because we're feeling insecure, it leaves our partner's brains open to interpretation and storytelling, which sounds like maybe they don't find me attractive or maybe I did something wrong. So if in the moment we can be emotionally attuned to not only our feelings and actions, but those of our partners, it opens up for it opens us up for conversations that may or may not dispel the stories that our brain is making up. We can check ourselves for assumptions and instead lead with curiosity, which might sound like, I noticed that you're pulling away. Is everything okay? Or maybe on the other side, hey, I'm actually not feeling my best right now. So if I'm not totally into this, it's me and not you. And yeah, it's vulnerable and opens us up to the risk of hearing a truth that might make us feel rejected or hurt. But it also opens up to this, us up to the possibility that our own story might be way worse than the actual truth, which can put us at ease and bring us closer to our partners. 
So in essence, we might look around believing that everyone else in the world is having sex confidently except for you. But after hearing everything you've heard, just know that you're not alone in your insecurities and it's a shared experience, a common thread that weaves us all together. So when we normalize these conversations and promote emotional intelligence in our relationships and beyond, it creates a culture of it creates a culture of rational thinking, vulnerability, courage, and ultimately growth. Lovers and friends, I'm on my way to New York right now to promote my brand new show called The Marriage Pack coming out on the Roku channel on August 4th. I don't know if I told you guys that. I hosted a show when I went to Columbia. This is the project that I worked on. And I wanted to come on here and film something to end this episode off because I had an aha while I was sitting at the airport, specifically after listening to Lauren, which first and foremost, y'all make Lauren your coach. Make the shift with your life with Make the Shift Coach Lauren. That's my sister. I have a newsletter subscriber. I have bought a course on time management. I've done one-on-one coaching with her like so many other people have and they've benefited from. There's so many different ways you can interact with her depending on your needs right now. So I highly suggest that you go over to her Instagram, make the shift coach Lauren and um, go to the website, sign up for the newsletter, all those great things. But the aha that I had in listening to Lauren is as much as we have to acknowledge that we have our own gaps when it comes to our emotional intelligence, which might lead people to misinterpret our emotions um and that's why it's a compelling reason to bring up our insecurities i also thought the fact that people are struggling in this area especially those who don't listen to the podcast it is you have to share your insecurities with a grain of salt or with a whole heaping of grace because very few people have the tools to respond favorably So they might have a lukewarm response or they might make a bad joke because they feel it's an awkward scenario. And so I think just prep yourself mentally before you open up and say, hey, this thing about me um, is not making me feel the most confident going into the situation that although we would love the person to say words of affirmation or whatever you have in mind, they might not be equipped to do so. So just make sure you mentally prep yourself with that before pressing forward. And on that note, there's a song that for anybody who's listening, who's like, well, what would I say if somebody opened up about their insecurities with me before a very intimate act? What would I say to them? The new Miguel song, I think it's called I Like What You Got. I love this song when I first heard it. And to me, this is exactly what you should say to somebody um, who tells you that something about them is making them feel unworthy in the moment. This and that One Direction song. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, just go look up those songs because I'm not about to lose all my AdSense on that. Uh, but if you are listening to the podcast, that's what we'll close out with. Executive produced by Shared Entertainment's Shan Boudram. It is produced by Boudram and Crazy Cruz with production support from 2S Entertainment's Adam Krasner and Brianna Barone. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and performed by Jared Brady, who also does the scoring and engineering on our episodes. Lovers and Friends is powered by Audio Boom and made possible by our incredible sponsors, who you can show love to by reading our show notes.